That's me on the podcast Sharing a song With something to say about it With Thin Lear And Diagra Moon Losing my opinion So I was thinking We should just stop doing this podcast And become two TikTok NPCs. What do you think about that? We have we already each have one. So catch- good. We have one- <laughs> we each have one catchphrase a piece. Nice. We need like there you go. That's another one right there. Yum yum. That's three. We need like what ten ten catchphrases, right? Do people want to watch me? See, the problem with that is that's the first thing AI is going to replace. Is it though? You're going to have AI stars on TikTok. Yeah. But I think part of the joy comes from watching someone. You're not going to know who's a human and who's a robot. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah. And then you don't have to pay the robots uh, influencer money, sponsorships. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. The companies are going to be making their own little NPC characters. It's not fun to spend time on TikTok at all, <laughs> especially you and I. We're not the uh, target demographic. What are we the target demographic for? What the Elephant Six documentary? Other than bitching that, about it on a podcast, that's so we're right in that range. There. So we are the target demographic, just not in a positive sense. Uh, but anyway, I feel like we would really excel there, and I think we should con- consider it. And I think even if we, let's say, created our own AI NPC, that could be the merch. You know, we talked about having a bag of ground turkey as a losing my opinion merch a few episodes back. Why not that plus mm. an NPC? Well, it's also, you know, all the famous rock bands of yore, the Rolling Stones, they got the big lips and tongue. Mm-hmm. Uh, Led Zeppelin has the druid thing going on. Mm-hmm. Maybe the, the new rock band mascot is, is a TikTok NBC. That's the, the new wave of that sort of That's thing. That's fair. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I uh, do not spend any time consuming media on TikTok. It's just not, it's why, why that fast? Uh, I mean, I'm a YouTube guy. That's really what it comes down to. But TikTok, it's like, I want to choose what I'm watching, and it'd be nice if it was longer than 20 seconds. Sure. Call me old-fashioned. Well, I think that's why we have this podcast that we're doing. That's well, How long is this podcast? Two and a half hours that we do? Yeah, much longer than 20 seconds. Yeah, this, this old podcast here, which is, of course, called Losing My Opinion. I am Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom playing uh, indie artist Niagara Moon, a.k.a. Thomas Irwin. I am Ocarina of Time playing ocarina uh indie musician thin lear aka matt longo did you actually play that game yes the last console i owned was n64 yeah yeah watching you navigate around that uh, switch menu (laughs) it's like when you watch your dad like (laughs) enter into the netflix or the roku like you're just a couple inches from the screen so slow so labored squinting Um, and hey, on, on this uh, good old podcast here, we're listening to music. We're talking about music. We're both obviously musicians ourselves. We have strange, irreverent takes sometimes, uh, unusual arguments we want to bring in, different songs we're excited to show the other person who has no idea what to expect. We do not... Or uh, what they're doing here. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah. <laughs> we, we don't plan anything out in advance, that's for sure. <laughs> I think that's probably, that's probably obvious to the listener. Um, well, I have, I have something today I want to come back to. This is like, All right. I feel like we've been dancing around this topic for a little while. I've decided to confront it head on today. 
back when we had Nate on and with uh, mm. Matt Farley, who is a true visionary, I want to say. I feel like we need to have him back at some point. That was a fun episode, yeah. It was a great episode. Talking about that general feeling out there that McCartney's songwriting was iffy after the Beatles, right? You know, he had his huge moments, obviously, but he was not consistent. A little cheesy. He, he had a big cheese factor going. A cheese factor that was not suppressed, you know, I think in the way that it no. was when he had a songwriting partner. Um, Matt Farley kind of disagreed. I disagree a, a little bit. Like, I think it's kind of a blanket way of looking at things if you say, like, oh, his songwriting was inconsistent. Because, like, I think... You're trying to generalize 250 songs, 300... Like, he just kept releasing music year after year, and it's... it's a lot of music. Five decades into his solo career. I mean, yeah. there's going to be some misses. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think those first few albums, with the exception of Wildlife, are amazing. Like, McCartney won, Ram... Red Rose Speedway to a lesser extent. Some good stuff in there, yeah. And yes, there's a dip in quality after that with some high points, but really like that run of records would be cool with any other artist. They'd be like, yeah, I have like four great albums and that's what I did. Um, but the part of the McCartney argument that I do really agree with is that, you know, he was he was holding back or not fully fleshing things out the way he he would have. Like, let's say if he was yeah. coming back to like London with a, with a tune, he would not have something that was half right. thought out. I mean, the his first solo album, McCartney, is half of an album. Like, the songs are half finished. The runtime is like 20-something minutes. Like, it's not a full thing. It's it's missing missing elements, but the elements that are there are pretty cool. Right. So, so what I do want to talk about today, you said the elements that are there are pretty cool. Like, I want to look at some of those half-finished ideas Um it's going to be our, our focus today. Songs from McCarty albums that I feel like due to a variety of circumstances could have turned out differently and or had been received differently with a different level of attention from him. Um, mm. I think we might get some hate for this one because I know there are McCartney diehards out there who like already pissed off probably that we're even talking about this. But uh, this, this is an argument that's been haunting me my whole life. When I was 14, I was hanging out with my dad and his friend and we were like, True Beatle Maniacs. I remember saying, and this was at, you know, 14 years old, I wish McCartney wasn't so lazy as time went on. Mm. Um, and his friend was like, lazy? Lazy? You know, like it was like, he was like, it touched a nerve. The guy tours all the time. Like I said, he did probably 30-something studio albums, tons of side projects. Like the guy never stopped hustling. He never stops hustling, but... He's not, he's not lazy. He's like the, one of the hardest working musicians in recorded history. But I understood what I was trying to say. Because like with songwriting, shockingly, for one of the best songwriters ever, it's the one area that he doesn't always see through. He'll produce the hell out of his music, Wings. He'll arrange the hell out of it. He'll promote the hell out of it. He'll tour yeah, it. He said, does everything, guy. Everything, so everything but finish writing the song. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's kind of strange because like that's the part that sometimes feels rushed on his records, even early on. Um, like the inception of the music is the thing that's rushed. And then the rest of it is like so well thought out. So uh, I want to see what you think about some of these tunes that I've picked today. Uh, I, and you might disagree that they're half finished ideas, but I, I think that they're, they fit into that category. Uh, the first tune I want to listen to is from Red Rose Speedway. Um, which is a decent album. There's some good tracks on that. Uh, the song is called Single Pigeon. 
Oh. Do you know this song? Of course, this one. Yeah, I love this one. Right. This is one of the few I know really well. This is like a classic example of what I'm talking about. Uh, just beautiful melody, so delicate, almost like one of his piano-driven tunes from the White Album. But for starters, this chorus, like, what, what are you, what's going on? Like, you just sort of... I love the chorus. You like that chorus? I love that chorus. You love that chorus. That's my favorite part of the song. That? <laughs> no way. Come on, Leo. Let's listen to it. I love that. I love how simple it is. I, I, I'm already disagreeing with you. This song, out of all the songs you could have picked, this one, I'm like, complete package. Well, the, it's got a unique structure, but it's like everything I'd want from a tune like this is here. I love it. But it, the verse it feels is really like way up here, and then the chorus is like... Oh, you're so wrong. Let, let's, listen, let's let the listener decide what they think. Single pigeon through the railings Did she throw you This is great. This is classic McCartney songcraft. Single seagull gliding over Regent's Park now. Do you need a pal for a minute or two? You do. Me too. is on the same level as the verse. I love it. I love it. And then we come back. The first time I ever heard this song was was recent, and that chorus got me right in the feels. I loved like it tied the whole thing together for me. Really? Oh. It's so tender, and then he gets his wife singing like part of it, and. Me too. Me too. Me too. Oh, it's so soft. Guitar there, I love it. It's musical zen to me. I don't know. I, you, you can even tell when it's happening because the lyrics disappear. <laughs> I'm fine with that. It's like there's enough going on. This part's great. Amazing. This part's it's amazing again. Yeah. There's enough going on in the verses. It's complex enough. By the time you just get to that simple, like gentle exhale of those courses, I ah, it, it's it's this is like one of my top five solo McCartney Jeez songs. Jeez Louise! All right, well, we're definitely not starting off on the same page. For me, I feel like he's phoning it in on pieces of that song. No, you know what I think it is. I think he just got really high and he's like, two notes. That's all I need here." I think it's like he just improvised it like late at night and I was like, "Oh, I'll go with that." Okay. Well, speaking of improvisation, uh, stream of consciousness. We're going to do another one that I think people are really going to disagree with me on. And I want to say up top, I love this song, but I think that it would be received differently had he finished the lyrics. And you know this one. It's junk. Mm. Uh, yeah. This, this is a beautiful song that's half finished. Like, absolutely beautiful. I, yet, it could have been one of his like standards had he... St- actually written lyrics to it and uh, yeah and like maybe one other section that kind of gave the whole thing more foundation like this is one where lennon needed to come in right and be like hey maybe you shouldn't just be describing items in a junkyard 
for the whole song. Uh, that melody, that guitar part. No, you need to talk about a carnival. Talk, yeah, but let's bring in a carnival here. He could have had like another Blackbird here had he not done the stream of consciousness thing and just been like, yeah, this is where it's at. And I know that first record is like, you know, that's kind of the whole point. But you, you listen to Maybe I'm Amazed, which is also on that album. And he clearly was like, oh, I got a classic here. I'm going to put everything into it. Like he finished writing that song. This one... You know, it feels like it could have been right up there. Yeah. Just, a lot of these songs are, yeah, just shy of two minutes. 155, 158. Yeah. Like that's, uh, that's the telltale sign there. <laughs> but I do, I love it anyway, but yeah. Oh, yeah. But it's, you listen to it with the context of like an almost complete song. Right. And you're, you're saying it's lyrics. It's not just that he needed to put some more musical oomph in there. I don't even think he needed, I mean, you, you bring up an interesting point, maybe, but just the lyrics just lyrics that were coherent would have been good enough to to push it push it over the edge and that's the area that Lennon used to rip on him for probably more than anything is sort of the you know ho- hokey lyrics or yeah well he's got a bunch of shit ones himself <laughs> from the same era what's that song you gotta free John Sinclair and the chorus is just him going over you gotta you gotta you gotta that record you got, like, is <laughs> tough that's, a, that's an so, arduous listen that record Sometime in New York yeah. City is like kind of he's one to talk widely agreed upon as a rough. You know what Lennon's song I've always hated is that song "Power to the People." That's not even a quarter it's of the song. Just, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. When he was doing the Freedom Fighter thing, I think the uh, the songwriting definitely took a dive. Motorcars, handlebars, bicycles for two. Broken hearted Jubilee Parachutes, army blues Sleeping bags for two Sentimental jamboree That's got a nice chorus here Sounds like Paul Simon. It's too soon to be going into the like riffing on the verse. Sounds like a demo. I'd be fine. I think you move that chorus to a bridge section. You get a chorus that's got a little more weight behind it. You just send him a letter. A fan, fan mail. It is what it is. It's an artifact of the time. I'll accept it, but it's, yeah, it's cutting itself a little short. There's still a lot of great stuff. Oh, yeah, no, it's, it's incredible. It's just, it's just shy of a classic of his. Yeah, lyrically, it could be a little more universal. It doesn't, or just coherent. I don't know necessarily even universal. It's just not naming objects in a junkyard. That's what he's doing. I mean, it's nothing more than that. He's not making it a, a love metaphor. Or no, something. it's just like there's a bicycle. I'm going to pivot now and talk about songs that I think are are actually great uh, and complete, but buried on an album that suffers from this thing that we've been talking about, like the rush to completion thing with the songwriting. 
Uh, it's not going to surprise a lot of people. The record Wildlife, uh, it's the first Wings album. It's notoriously, like it's his somewhere in New York City. <laughs> Sometime right? in New York City, like yeah. It's just notorious bomb. Right. It, critically, commercially. Yeah, people, I mean, sort of rightfully were like, what was going on here? Um, and he was like in a transitional period. Like it was his first new band, even though it was really just still him with like minions. But uh, we could really choose pretty much any of the songs on this record as examples of near misses when it comes to good songs. But there there are two songs I want to look at that are legitimately great. But I think because they're on this record, they get short shrift because they're just coupled with these other songs that are half finished. Do you know that record that well? Or I just... don't. So I don't think I'll know either great. of these songs. Great. Yeah. So I want to show you these songs then because I, th- I think they're they're of a high quality, but they're just lost because of what he was doing on this album. The first song is called Tomorrow, and it's just a perfect McCartney pop song, like that impeccable arrangement, great melody. If this was on Ram or McCartney one, people would remember it for sure. Mm. It's got a buoyant bass line. It's, it's got that, you know, the drizzle of McCartney magic. This one's a decent length, at least here, three and a half minutes. sounds like uh, Emmett Rhodes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There he is. Lyrics do feel like he wrote them as fast as possible because <laughs> he just wanted to that's do kind other of, stuff on the song. He's like, oh, these words rhyme. This yeah. sounds good. Feels but, good. You know, now I get to work on my intricate backing vocal parts. Yeah. Done with those pesky words. Right. I, I love this song. But yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, it's not at the level of junk. Let's look at a song that does actually have great lyrics. It's also on this record. Uh, it's called Dear Friend, and I'm shocked that this song is not sort of held up differently or remembered differently. People confuse it with Dear Boy. Maybe. I mean, it is another call-out song, but this is one that uh, I believe is about Lennon. Okay. And you know how people like to, you know, kind of bring up the Lennon versus McCartney tunes, you know, the How Do You Sleeps of the of the world, too many people, you know, these, and they're usually pretty great. Even the ones that are kinder, you know, let me roll it or whatever. Like they, they wrote some great songs to each other. This one is, is up there with too many people. Um, it's, it's like a haunting tune. It's, it's less angry. This one is kind of just more like hurt, uh, heartbroken, but, uh, yeah, it's stuck on this record 
and and it's almost like you want to just pluck these songs and and put them on ram or anything else i could take monkberry delight or whatever Monk that one is I could, I, could, I could swap those yeah <laughs> For what we just heard. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, there are, there are a couple on RAM that maybe are, are less strong than the others, but still, yeah. Dear friend, why wow, this one's almost six minutes. Yeah, let's start it at three. You must have had something to say here. Three minutes in, I think it'll take us to a good spot. Dear friend, what's the time? This one's not grabbing me a ton. I keep feeling like something bigger, more interesting is keep is like about to happen, and then it just keeps sort of meandering along. For me, this one, like lyric-wise, is pretty great. Like saying. Yeah, yeah, like, uh, are you a fool or is it true? Like, do you, re- you really hate me or are you just yeah. acting like a, like a jacket? <laughs> That's the problem. It's like there's more going on thematically and lyrically. Like, I get that there's more content, but then it, is it at the expense of, like, a tighter B section or something? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like we're only going to that place now i love the and we're not getting the melodicism that i, I want. love everything going on i love the the arrangement the how sprawling it is all right um it's also different from i think a lot of what he was doing at that moment which was really tight and like compact yeah. pop. this one's not a bop it's not a ditty it's not a ditty it's not like the last one yeah. no but i think yeah i mean you know i, I when you talk about and going back to matt farley's point like when you kind of have these arguments about like, you know, did McCartney fall off at various points? It's like, <laughs> you give the guy a break. Like he, he was in the Beatles and then he needed He needed to, to give himself a break and not release so goddamn often and so like so much. Like if he had really given each album an extra six months to a year of hmm. assessing and like inviting a little more collaboration and hmm. maybe cutting down on the fat, it's like, his discography, at least in the seventies, like it could have been. I do. It's it's the what if. It's like it could have been on another level. Totally. If if he released 
over his solo career, if he released half of the records that he did, he still would have been half, somewhat yeah. prolific, uh-huh. and it would have been consistent in terms of quality. It's just like, and, and you sort of look at his writing in the Beatles, like he had half an album to fill every time. So I think it's sort of, they were cranking him out, obviously, but when you have five songs versus 11 or whatever, it's like a different yeah. demand. It's a big difference. It is worth sifting through even an album like Wildlife. Apparently now it's like there is, when the gems are there, they're, they're, they're good. And it's still, you get that Beatles-esque magic. Mm-hmm. It is worth sifting through a lot of the, especially his 70s run, even yeah. though it's like an overwhelming amount of albums between stuff under his own name and then Wings. Uh, it's worth sifting through the cheesy, overplayed stuff, the, the half-baked ideas. Like there are still a lot of great, songs in there um what is it at the album at the speed of sound uh by wings the speed of sound yeah the song uh let him in that's another one where it's like this isn't quite a finished (laughs) song but there's so many like cool fun ideas in here like i'm gonna keep playing it do you know yeah she's my baby you ever heard that song i don't know that one we put it on for a second i think you might actually like that one all right let's we'll close out with uh this one's called she's my baby it's great great tune Great song, disco-y, but yeah. Oh, and this is also from yeah, yeah. That's that's what I was. You reminded me of it. So it's from that same record where it's just like, oh, this is like fantastic, and just sort of buried on here. My baby, she comes out at night. She's taking me by surprise. She's my baby. This guy was listening to Stevie Wonder. (laughs) Yeah, those drums are sick. Lyrics aren't doing it for me though. Nope. She has arisen. Oh, believe me, I ain't lying. She's a woman. That electric piano is so inner visions. She's a lady of the evening tide when the stars are in the skies. That's the time she changes back into a kitten. Oh, believe me, I ain't lying. She's my baby. She comes out at night. She's taking me by surprise. She's my baby. It's another one. You want Lennon. It's a great song still, but you want Lennon to come in. Be like, make hey. the lyrics a little more interesting. Tone down the like Stevie Wonder. Yeah, what are you doing here? Five, just a bit. Well, she's a baby in the morning. Yeah. It's eternally frustrating. He is. It? He is eternally frustrating. It's hard. It's got to be a hard. I mean, for as for as ridiculously loved as he is, it's got to be tough when you write, you know, a, a large chunk of what are considered the greatest songs of all time in your twenties, and then you you keep living and wanting to create art. Uh, he's still capable of that, but it's also like you know you're being too hard on the guy, like. Dylan says, he's like, I don't know how I wrote songs on Highway 61. Like, it's it was unconscious. Like, I wasn't like, I want to write a great song, I'm going to do it. You know, I think it's it's easy to obviously sit here and throw rocks at the stuff, but... Um, I mean, so much pressure on him as a public figure. Right. Like, forget Charles. Like, he is the king of England. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's England's greatest cultural export. Yeah, if you stop and think about yeah, it. Yeah, and he doesn't he doesn't make really make missteps in terms of saying dumb stuff and like, you know, considering like when he was born and how old he is, like he 
He's got to be so careful. He's not fumbled it, though. Every day. The amount of people working for him, depending on him, like, the guy runs a small nation, practically. Like, Yeah. I mean, his biggest misstep was probably just saying it's a drag when they asked him after Lenin was assassinated. <laughs> You're like, yeah, it's a real drag. And it, which he regrets, like, to this day, but... Yeah, and also, like, his best friend just right. died, just died, and you're shoving a camera What do you think about this? Like, what are your feelings? Yeah, no, I mean, he's, he's like, uh, he's a politician who just also happens to be one of the greatest songwriters of all time. I mean, yeah, we're, we're big fans of him here. But I think it, it is, it's fun, it's amusing to think about what could have been because he is, yeah, yeah he's yeah. eternally frustrating because you know what he's capable of and doesn't always rise to that level that is sort of untouchable. It's almost not that I'm a fan of Frank Zappa, but with Frank Zappa, it's like so much output. You get the feeling like he just had this compulsion to like capture and then produce and release like every single idea he had. Right. Paul, you know, has the reputation, like Ringo will tell you, he's a workaholic. It's always go, 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 got to do more, get back to the studio. It's like if that energy was curbed a little bit, if it wasn't like, oh, everything I do and think has to get out there on a record, like. Right. An intermediary could have come in there, maybe, and, and tightened up the the quality. It's I don't know. It's you can kind of debate about it for a while. That was the hope, I think, when you started working a little bit with Elvis Costello, was that you know there was going to be that kind of John Force of saying, yeah, that's not good. You got to go back to the drawing board. But but like even towards the end of the Beatles, Lennon was trying to do that, and it wasn't working. Like Maxwell Silverhammer is on Abbey Road. Like it's yeah, that's a great. Song, I love right? it. I love it. But you know he hated it. <laughs> Obladi Oblada is on the White Album. Like he wasn't. He wasn't editing him. Yeah. He was getting his way. Yeah, but he only had so many chances he could do. And then he was still, you know, f- fighting it out with with John and George on that same track list. You know, so that that kind of changes up the yeah. dynamic. But yeah, you got Honey Pie and that kind of <laughs> shit. So yeah, George getting his two songs in. Yeah. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I, I mean, I'm always going to be down here some some '70s McCartney. So this it, was. It's uh, always worth it's exploring. It's a little frustrating, but you're you're still grateful. It's it's there to explore. Yeah. Exactly. Precisely. Oh, so what have you been listening to this week? Losing my opinion. What's on your mind? What's on my mind? What have I been listening to? Uh, what we're going to explore here today. Uh, this will be fun. We we got some some adventures to to go on here, uh, with the exception of like one of these songs. I haven't listened to any of this. It's it's barely been screened. Ooh, yeah. So it's gonna be some real surprises today, maybe. But uh, we talked forever ago about the music of. Let's see. We compared Bruce Willis to Steven Seagal, as both of those gentlemen have uh, discographies. They released albums. Mm. Um, so in the spirit of that today, I want to take a, another look at uh, some, some Hollywood figures and specifically uh, some of their music because there, there's a lot, of, a lot of people in Hollywood, a lot of people you know mainly from movies, but that are also recording music. But uh, this is Keanu Reeves' uh, rock band project that we're going to start out with here. Dogstar? <laughs> Dogstar. Do you know Dogstar? No, I have not. I mean, I know the, the name. I just always assume that. I, yeah, I assume the worst. You know, I think we've we've gone through this before. I think that the term actor musician is just like nothing will send chills down the spine faster. But it's a different world now. You know, I think back then it was like more bizarre for that to happen. Now it's like everyone 
has multiple pursuits just because of the nature of social media. Like, they're well, and they're not paying writers <laughs> and actors right. enough, apparently. And yeah, people are on strike. It's like, oh, I got to jump ship here. Yeah, it's. Uh, I I don't. I knew about Dog Star for many years. I never had the desire, like you, Matt, to uh, to bother checking it out. You just assume it's gonna. You just assume it's gonna be mediocre at best. You just assume it's gonna be straight down the middle. Like, yeah, eh, this is competent, but nothing to grab me. Uh, it's like '90s rock, whatever those two words mean. But that's not generally something I think of as as my interest. But uh, we are going to check out Dogstar and a few other Hollywood people here Hollywood today. Hollywood fat cats. We're not going to compare them. Uh, Hollywood elites. Yeah, we're not going to compare them directly against each other, but just, you know, are they are they a Hollywood hack or are they an artiste? Mm. Hacker artiste. Is there anyone you can think of where they you knew them, you know, as an actor, and then you were like, I love this music. Like, has that happened? <sighs> I think it maybe happened to me a little. I won't necessarily say with who love, but um, Charlotte Gainsbourg. Was she an actress first? I don't really know. That's yeah, that's murky. I mean, she there. sang. There's, with there's her... ones where it's like Jan- uh, Janelle Monet. Oh, okay, they were a musician right. first, but now I think of them primarily as an actress. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's like Zoe Deschanel has a nice singing voice, but sure. I'm not clamoring for the new she and her record, she and him <laughs> record necessarily. <laughs> Yeah, so hacker artiste. Let's. So we're gonna start with the old Keanu Reeves here. I like Keanu Reeves. Generally. Yeah, I like him. He's yeah. he's fun. We we like a lot of the projects he's been in. He's, he's I like watching him limp around in the yeah. John Wick films. It's oh. great. Dogstar <laughs> is coming out with a new album this year, 2023, October 6th. We running promo for them right now. Get pumped! Yes, uh, I've been hired by by their. We've uh, been sponsored by. <laughs> yeah, the, the album's gonna be called Somewhere Between the Power Lines and Palm Trees. Okay. And this is their new single called Breach. Just came out. This is the official video. So let's uh, let's get psyched here. Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. Keanu Reeves plays bass, so he gets some. some I think I knew that. Yeah. He seems like a bass guy. Yeah, I don't know, man. Is it blander than I thought yeah, it would be? It's actually, yeah. It's not Keanu's singing either. That's kind of a detractor. No, it's a different guy. And man, we were calling those McCartney songs after. Yeah, man. The, the chorus is odd. That it's like kind of the. Sounds like someone. Breathing into a mic. <laughs> oh, it's it's just so by the numbers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's not even. It's not bad enough to like have fun with. Even. No. You know, it's like a Seagal thing where it's just like a, a, a treasure trove. Seagal thing was a unique vision. This is just like, yeah. They just sound like an amateur band. That. You know, like they paid a bunch of money, they can play their instruments, but it's just like 
no point in venturing further. C'est la vie. They shouldn't have paid us all that money to do the promo for them. They yeah, didn't know they well, they're taking it back now. Yeah. I, I just compromised one that sponsor. situation. Hey, when are we going to get sponsors? Uh, I don't know. We got, I think we got to have listeners first. <laughs> oh, and we just and lost something the I've heard about called interesting content. Oh, we need, we need content out. too. I forget. Yeah. I don't know which one comes first. So we're moving on, moving on to different actor. We're we're kind of switching gears. I would say here, uh, no way around it. Crispin Glover. What? Oh, you know what? Crispin Glover. So uh, I do know Marty McFly's dad. Yeah, Marty McFly's dad. George McFly. There was that song Ben that he did. I think because remember he came out with the movie where he was like pals with a bunch of rats, and he did the song. Yeah. I think he did the song Ben that Michael Jackson had sung that was oh, pretty creepy even then. But he did like a creepy- <laughs> that movie is fucked yeah, up, yeah. He did a creepy take of it. That's the only thing I'm aware of. All right, so he did a Michael Jackson cover. I like Crispin Glover, though. I do like that guy. Oh, yeah, we like <laughs> Crispin Glover. He's, plays he's a, a fucking weirdo, <laughs> but he's 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 it's like a Nicolas Cage right. thing where it's just he's so dedicated to the yes. craft. He's so thoughtful. It's like you 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 get into his performances. You admire his uh, exactly his integrity. Yeah, we're we're not gonna we're not coming after Glover here. He had an album in 1989 called "The Big Problem Does Not Equal the Solution." The solution equals let it be. All right, so wrap your head around that for a second. <laughs> it's uh, you know what this I may have actually now that I'm pulling this up somewhere in the recesses of my mind it could be the case that I saw this like on social media when I was a teenager uh, but this song is called Clowny Clown Clown oh man so he wrote at least the lyrics I think he had a hand in the production it was just, uh, produced by some folks called Barnes and Barnes who did a lot of like freaky novelty music which, uh, seems crazy. To, all right, seems to fit a song like Crispin Glover's "Clowny Clown Clown." Uh, let's 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 dig into this because this is not this is going to be the opposite of Dog Star. What we just heard. This is uh, a unique vision. I'm guessing going on wow. here. Okay. And uh, let's let's see if if there's something to this or if he's just another Hollywood hack. Love his hair. I've always loved his hair. I kind of like this already. I like his dancing. I was walking on the ground. I didn't make a sound. Then I turned around and I saw a clown. Had a frown. Stood on a mound. Started barking like a hound. (laughs) When I came to it, I found he showed me something that was brown. So we became great friends. And late in life, he got sick. That's a nice little bridge there. I gave him some soup, but he got worse. It asked for its purse. It got it, but it was empty, so it cried a plenty. His vocals were recorded terribly. <laughs> what to do? I didn't know what to think, so I got a drink. And then I showed it something that was round. Then it died, smiled, fell on the ground. Looking back about this is like a trap in the closet. I get style like story song. And really snide. 
down. I hated that clown, but not as much as Mr. Far. Mr. Far. I'm gonna go smoke a cigar. That guy's really that's far Mr. away. That's why he's Mr. Far, because he's far away. I was walking on All the right. ground. I didn't make this, I don't, what, what, a, what I'm not, I don't even know just... what to do with that. I mean, he, uh, he's obviously trying to make something completely insane and succeeded. Did he just make it to help his career? It, you know, it, it's, that's what I was like thinking while it was happening. Like, I, that's fine. That's totally fine. I can get behind that. That's fun. You can show friends that. Like, obviously, you're not going to sit and listen on headphones on the subway or whatever, but... You're not. Uh, I was walking on the ground. No, I think it's... Uh, if anything, it's almost, like, too contrived. Like, like, like he, was, he was trying Forced. so hard to make it bonkers. To be weird. And it is, yeah. but, like, you can feel him thinking, like, what's, what's another bonkers 90s type thing I can do? Yeah. It's like a kids in the hall sketch or something, like, but <laughs> not as good. Yeah, it's. I think I don't know. I don't know if there's a world in which would be like I love this Crispin Glover song, but if maybe if it had been recorded in a different era, because those drums sounded so tinny and cheap and terrible, like maybe a di- slightly different producer, maybe more in like the Beck era of things. Mm, he could. Yeah, he could have been a Beck. Get the Dust Brothers in there. It's something. A little more interesting could have happened. But. Yeah, not the Barnes and Noble guys or whatever. <laughs> it's a curio. So is he a hacker artiste? Oh uh, no, he's an artiste because of his other career. Other I, stuff, I and yeah. I think uh, and Keanu's an artiste too. Is. Just uh, dog stars a little something to be desired. Right. There. I think with this one, it's like um, he's got something. You know, there's something interesting he's he's trying to do. Yeah, I, I didn't hate it. It was just like okay, Christmas is trying to be weird though. All right. Well, we're going back to normality. Or relatively so here with uh, our next choice. Did you know that uh, Russell Crowe yeah. has had a bunch of bands? Yeah, you did? Do you remember any of the band names? I want to say a giant something, a giant dog. Is it another dog band? <laughs> so he's had three bands, apparently. The one I sort of knew about was called 30 Odd Foot of Grunts. <laughs> uh, an all-Australian all band uh, from like 1992, and then they broke up in 2005. Uh, but then he immediately formed another band called The Ordinary Fear of God. As opposed to... T-O-F-O-G. Different kind. Irrational that lasted fear of a little God. while, it seems. And then his most recent project, uh, 2017, he made another band called Indoor Garden Party. Uh, but So a lot, lots of projects to choose from here. Lots of albums. Russell Crowe... Hey, we like the movies he's been in, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. He seems like kind of, uh, kind of an odd guy in some ways. Maybe a, a little bit... Full of himself, but what A-list actor isn't, you know? Don't cut him off on the parkway. I'll come after you. Uh-oh. Yeah, those Aussies have a temper. So, I don't know. What, what expectations are we coming in with for uh, for Russell Crowe and his bands? What, what do we think the I would imagine it sounds almost identical to the Dogstar music, I would say. So, totally generic, vaguely 90s, just rock. Yeah, like 90s rock. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I was I was kind of torn what to pick here. Should I go with something from Thirty Odd Foot of Grunts because that name is fucking ridiculous? That's the classic. No, you know what though? I'm I'm going mid two thousands. I'm going I'm going farther into because you know his career didn't really lock in until the late nineties. I want to do something 
uh, from when he's like after he's been a, a movie star for a while. So right. I, after he sang that song in Gladiator, "Are You Not Entertained?" Right, that's title track or check Gladiator. Are you not entertained? No, this one is called "Testify." Mm. Uh, it's from the album "My Hand, My Heart" from 2006. This is uh, when he was going by the ordinary fear of God, which we we both love that band name. It's good. Let's let's check this one out. So. I don't even know if he plays guitar on this. Uh, just from the thumbnail, he might just be singing, which we, we love those. When I'm walking, I strap a star. I feel the irons on my wrist. And lament it's come to this When they hang me from the gallows tree Such as life so close to the mic. I'm not the reddest handed bandit here but I'm, I'm getting a Bruce Willis vibe with this one The smoking gun's been smothered by The long arm of the law Chaplin says the end has started uh, It's gospel Dog Star is looking a little better right yes. now. This is like a True Blood song. You know, like one of those True Blood tunes. Russell, you were supposed to star in the show, not sing the theme song. Yeah, you know, he's not a bad... He's nothing special at all. He's carrying himself like he's got something to give. He is. He is department. singing like he's like he's fronting Depeche Mode, which is you know he's got the presence. He's got the confidence. He's acting like he's got something to contribute, but I'm not I'm not hearing it. Yeah, I don't know. I yeah, that one was more frustratingly generic. Yeah, I like the Dog Star better. I mean, Crispin Glover's winning the day right now. Yeah, uh, pretty hard, yeah. You know, it seemed like that was... Uh, I'll remember that, certainly. Clowny clown clown. I mean, already, out of the gate, you're That's like, great. okay, yeah, what he's are we got it already. They're already hitting home runs. <sighs> yeah, I, I don't like it when they just... Like a Bruce Willis deal where it's just, okay, clearly you love black music, you love the blues, gospel, and then you just want to do your spin on it, but you're just kind of copying what you heard. Like, that really is... Uh, it's a no thank you. For is that me. what he is that what 30 odd grunt is though? Or I thought uh, for some reason I just think everyone is 90s alternative. That's a good question cuz they're they're more they were more of a collaborative band project. Yeah, let let's just check one of those tunes out real quick and see uh maybe maybe we'll get a different perspective on Crow. I don't know. They got a this is uh, not anything I prepped here, but they got a song called Somebody's Trying to Kill Me. Sure. That seems like Russell Crowe's just like mindset on a daily basis. <laughs> You count John Carpenter as an actor? Uh, you do. I guess he has technically acted. Yeah. Oh, his he's great. Yes. Yeah. That that's the one. That's that's the guy where I'm like, I like this almost as much as what you're mainly known for. Yeah. yeah John Carpenter albums. True double threat. The ones from the last 10, 15 years. That's the guy. Excellent example, yeah. Oh boy. It's not as gospel. No. 
Mark Renzi. Somebody's trying to kill me. It could be myself. Yeah. I have it on the highest authority. Oh, no. Hey. I'm just no good for my own hell. Uh, this is... Okay, yeah, this, this is... This is just as bad, but in a very different way. No, this is... I think this is worse. I think this is much worse. That riff's okay. I hate his voice in this. The guitar's kind of cool. I'll give it that. Oh, what? The harmonics there? Freaking yeah. Dave Grohl thing there. <laughs> did not like that. Yeah, so that did that that did not help anything. No, that was worse. Yeah. We regret that decision. All right, last one here. So you mentioned John Carpenter. It's a director. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has acted, but he's more of a director. Uh not unlike my last final pick here, somebody who's mainly a director but has acted, acted in big things. Uh David Lynch. Oh, okay. Yeah. You a David Lynch fan? Yeah, of course. I mean, I mean, not of his music. Oh, yeah, I, I, I don't assume. I mean, he's fucking weird. He I is weird. go around thinking everybody's watched Lost Highway. I don't like every single one of his projects, but... Um, Inland Empire. Yeah. The ones I do like, I, I really love. You know, obviously, Twin Peaks. Yeah, Twin yeah. Peaks, Small Holland Drive. Yeah. Blue fucking Blue Velvet. Velvet is my favorite, probably. Yeah. Did you know that David Lynch has released, like, Three albums, four. I thought albums? he released one or two. Oh, so you did know that he? I knew he did some stuff. Uh, okay, I, and I'm not surprised because there is, um, you know, music is very central to all of his work. Yeah, he's very big on sound design. Mm-hmm. Early stuff like Eraserhead, like he was thinking light years ahead with the the weird ass sounds he'd he'd put in his films, and yeah, he always had that regular collaborator, Angelo Badalamenti. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he just he kind of got into the indie music game. What a game it is! Keeping up with the clown theme, we're gonna check uh, out an album called Crazy Clown Time from two thousand. Yeah, okay, yeah. So I actually I've heard of this. I've heard of this title. That's great. That's like the most David Lynch title. You could hear him saying it. Yeah, I wonder if Crispin Glover gave him the the clown. Maybe theme. he influenced them because they've yeah. collaborated before. Yeah, oh, also, if you ever want to see Crispin Glover at his most insane, watch David Lynch's movie Wild at Heart, and Crispin Glover has, like, a brief scene in that where he's been up all night making sandwiches or something <laughs> like that. That's peak Glover. No, we're, we're going to listen to a David Lynch-produced uh, track here. I remember this being electronic, and, like, David Lynch does do, like, he gets in there in that project file and, and you know, messes around with uh, the, little, the sound toys, so... This is a David Lynch production here. Is this going to be any good or is this hacky? That's uh, the big question. I guess. I'm going to I'm going to say this is going to be the best of them all. Okay, all right. That's my. I don't think I remembered enough to comment, but uh, yeah, let's get into it here. at the club. So tired of fire, so tired of smoke, so tired of 
It's the most listenable. Yeah, oh, oh, 100% this is the best out of what we heard today, I think. Actually, you know what? I think Chris McLover was the best of what we heard today. Really? <laughs> yeah, so let's break that down. Um, the same reason I like Seagal Chris, better than Willis. It's the same exact reason. All right, what is it? It's just crazy and memorable. You know, it's, if, it's all, if, if the choice is barely competent versus crazy and awful and memorable i'm gonna go with crazy and awful and memorable because like yeah. i still remember the yeah. steven seagal song i couldn't tell you which which bruce willis song we listened to under the board right walk. there you go yeah you know what i'm gonna go with you because what we just heard it's like oh isn't it impressive he can use ableton like that yeah he but like programmed something but there's like a lot of empty space it's not I'd rather he just get back behind the camera. Get back behind that frankly, camera. Unlike John Carpenter. Yeah. John Carpenter with his like doom synth pop. That that's like a whole vibe going on that I really enjoy. This is it's a little slight. And mm. I th- yeah, I think you're right. It's like there's nothing like nothing like uh clowny clown clown or whatever the fuck. Like yeah, then, yeah. that's just uh, its own thing. I think you could pull up some other Ableton DJs producers that are are you know the voice is is unique but uh, otherwise it's like there's other people producing music like that mm-hmm. on soundcloud uh yeah i think i'm gonna go with i so i wouldn't call i'm, I'm gonna call lynch an artiste i don't think he was a hack but no yeah yeah um yeah we might be giving this one to glover yeah i think he takes home the belt we'll send him his championship yeah. belt we didn't uh have time to get to it but he also does a cover of these boots were made for walking uh, Crispin Glover does. That sounds like it'd be great. I do. I remember that Ben cover being kind of good. I mean, maybe that's totally wrong, but uh, from my hazy recollection, later, yeah. yeah, he'll uh, he'll surprise you. He's a wild card, that's for sure. But hey, man, what did we learn today? I don't know. I, I think we learned. You know, McCartney sometimes he half bakes it. Might not be his fault though, because he just has to release an album every year for sixty plus years. You know, your point about the editing is a very good one. You know, if, if he if he did half the records in his solo career, we'd be we'd be there'd be more band on the runs, there'd be more Rams, there'd be more classics that we'd be talking about. Well, all right, that's what you learned. I guess I learned that too, because you came in and taught me that, but. Otherwise, uh, I learned to avoid 30-odd foot of grunts. 30-odd foot of grunts. I, I, I want no part of that business. 
Um, but hey, if you enjoyed this episode of Losing My Opinion, go ahead and subscribe. Uh, you can follow Losing My Opinion on Instagram, TikTok, or X. X. Hey, if you ever want to reach out, say hey, let us know what you think of the show. That's where you can find us. And um, yeah, Russell Crowe, hack. Oh, man. I'm Russell, I'm distancing myself from this man right here. I don't know what he's talking about. And I could be wrong now. But I don't think so. Is that a Russell Crowe? <laughs> Impeccable, isn't it? It's pretty close. I remember that Onion headline. It was like uh, from the, oh, God, what was the Les Miserables? And it was like, Russell Crowe does fantastic uh, impression of man who can't sing or act. <laughs> Brutal. He can act. He can definitely act, yeah. Right. I think it's just that movie was, he was not great in that. I'll say so long, suckers, and we'll see you next week. It's